the, the funny thing is, is this this man is built like a Walmart battle orc. Oh, I can. Already... <laughs> <laughs> All right, we are live from the center of the earth. What? What's going on, Trap House? Tonight, we've got the homie Red Devil on the show. He's also known as Snake Eater 36 on Twitter. This guy needs no introduction, but I'm going to try anyway. But he's an Army SF guy, combat diver, commander in the 2021 Possum Wars, and once voted to be man most likely to catch COVID-19 and put COVID-19 in quarantine for two weeks. What's going on, Red Devil? Hey, man, how you doing? <laughs> Thanks for coming on, dude, and putting up putting up with my autism. Oh, no problem at all. I got a little <laughs> bit of that myself. <laughs> but yeah, so this is I think last week last week we had your buddy Brink on. My boy. Uh, yeah, and he he put on he put on a magnificent display. I think he might be uh, nominated for an Oscar this year for that monologue on that last. Episode. I mean, I was it was the monologue. I don't know what was more impressive, the monologue or the legs. It's true. It's true. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure he can open up a can of pork and beans with his quads. Yeah, like to, he, actually, he needs to make an Instagram account and start squeezing watermelons for money. <laughs> <laughs> oh, instead of OnlyFans, only melons. Oh, I'd pay money for that. <laughs> I am paying money for right? it. Right? He, he, he doesn't send me pictures. <laughs> Oh, man. But yeah, so uh, I think this is episode episode five or episode six of my fledgling podcast while I well, I can't officially call it a podcast because I'm still waiting for the government to approve my podcast license. Um, But uh, so we're 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 keeping it casual. Uh, We've got a uh, 10 questions I've sourced from Twitter per usual, but we can kind of let that conversation uh veer off into whatever parts of uh autism we want it to um so feel feel free to ramble feel free to just go on long ass tangents dude like there's no time limit nothing nothing like that long Uh, form (laughs) exactly (laughs) we've um and so we we've been we've been buddies on Twitter for a while now, and uh, it's it's always interesting to me whenever I hear people's voices when I've just been reading their texts for like months or years or whatnot. right. And then after after you hear their voice, you start reading those texts in their voice. Like when I met Brink, like I started reading, you know, the, them them in, uh, in in Brink's voice. And then when I heard Pickle, it was I, you just can't get that beautiful lisp out of your head. You know what I mean? Dude, for real, for real. Like he his his lisp is melodic. It like, is. He, he gets mad at me for talking about his lisp, but it's like, like an it's, angel's it's... tickling my ears. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit, we love you, pickle. <laughs> please, please don't beat me. Right. <laughs> All right, so cool. Uh, let, let's go. Let's go ahead and jump in before uh, pickle kicks in my door. Uh, <laughs> So um, our, our buddy High Tech Redneck, that's our first question. It's coming from him. Uh, his first question is, if you love swimming so much, why weren't you a Navy SEAL? Oh, that's because my dad was a Green Beret. Oh. Um, yeah, my uh, – I don't want to say I necessarily grew up in the community, but my dad was a Green Beret. And so kind of growing up, like, that was what I wanted to do. And when I was swimming, I realized that, like, you know, combat diving was a thing and so I was like, well, why don't I be a combat diver and a Green Beret at the same time? And obviously, because um, I was joining around the time of 9-11, it was just kind of like, you got to read 
some of the early books of the invasion of Af- of Afghanistan, and then later on Iraq kicked off, and it just kind of stuck with me. It was something I always wanted to do, and so it was yeah, kind of ended up that way. Thankfully, what? So I, this is something I'm a, I don't I'm, I'm a civilian. I don't know much about the military or military life. Yeah. Uh, I, I I grew up I grew up on the East Coast, uh, so we had the SEALs, uh, one of the SEAL teams out there. Um, and, uh, so what, walk me, th- walk me through what a combat diver is and what, what that, what that entails. Yeah. So like badass as shit. So we, we go through, we go through some of the same maritime training as the seals do specifically like the underwater train up. Um, but it's a six week course in Key West, the, um, the Navy overseas, kind of like the safety and the the diving rigor for it. And then, um, you know, the first two weeks is kind of the, the pool week where they send you through a, a litany of tests to kind of prepare you for, um, like the future parts of the school. So you have to tie a certain amount of knots while holding your breath underwater. You've got to ditch gear. You've got to take a breath. You go back down and get the gear. You do 50 meters underwater. There's a few tests that they put you through. So they prep you that for two weeks and then they do what's called one man comp where, you put a, a tank on your back with a open, like a scuba tank, basically. It's open, um, open system, so you're blowing bubbles, and they black out your mask, and then they beat the trash out of you in a pool uh, until you ha- and you end up like they'll they'll pull the regulator out of your mouth, they'll tie it in a knot on your manifold, and you have to untie it and put it back in your mouth, and they do this until you basically pass. And the pass is there's a special knot they put on your back, and you've got to figure out how to either untie that knot or ditch your gear. yeah so when you finish that you're halfway through and that's kind of the the milestone of where you know you're going to make it because then you get the weekends off you can go drink like it becomes kind of more fun after that but the first three weeks they just demolish you you run six miles every morning like i mean I, i i was i was a really fast runner but i lost most of my muscle mass there and then after those three weeks, you go on what's called closed circuit, which is the oxygen recycler. It's a rebreather. And then you do like the cool stuff. So you'll do an infill at night where nobody's, I mean, you're not making any bubbles. You're all blacked out. And you have like a set of missions that you go conduct at the end of the phase where you link up with indigenous personnel and, you know, basically like establish a, uh, a guerrilla like a guerrilla team or a guerrilla base. And so like the hardest thing to explain is like, okay, yeah, what, what is the difference between you and seals? And it's we, the, our capability as divers is a method of infiltration. So we hop off the boat and we swim up to the shore. And then like, that's kind of where our departure is for seals. I mean, they put mines on boats, like they should be, or most of the time, like they are the guys that kind of own the waters, Marsock a little bit as well. And then like our, the other counterpart to it is, is if we go to a host nation country that has a maritime element, we can train them in maritime operations. Mm-hmm. So it's like a, it's basically a feather in your cap, but within our community, being a divers held on pretty high prestige just because the school is so difficult and there's not a lot of guys that want to do it. And so we kind of, um, I don't know, we just kind of flagrant, flagrantly uh, throw our dive bubble around and it's, it's good bragging rights. Dude, that's awesome, man. Yeah, it was, I love that course. Like, I would 100% do it again. That's crazy. So how long is it in total? You mentioned, like, the the real hard parts, like, the first three weeks. Yeah, but so how long it's, does it run for? Six, it's six weeks total, and it usually goes up and down in terms of length because I want to say um, 
uh, uh, let's see, it would have been 2010, there was a captain that died in pre-scuba. So the, 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 the diver community is extremely aggressive to the point where like there's been some incidences where people haven't had a lot of oversight and training. And some dudes will die and then there'll be an investigation and they'll have to move parts of the training that was held at like an organic unit to the dive school. So when I went pre-scuba, didn't, wasn't really a thing. You just kind of got ready and then they trained you at dive school to do all these things. And then sometimes they say, okay, you guys can teach your guy, teach your soldiers how to tie these knots underwater and do drown proofing and all this other stuff. And then eventually somebody gets hurt, and then the schoolhouse kind of takes that control back to hold it at their school. So it, it's it's six weeks, but it can it can get pared down to about five. And I've I don't know if it's four now, but I'm pretty sure it's about five. Damn, that's wild. Yeah. Wait, so was there ever a point when you were going through that where like you doubted yourself? Like uh, I don't know, I, I was feeling pretty good up until now. <laughs> I uh, so I um, I have. I played water polo and I swam and I have, I have been unconscious underwater and had to get pulled out two times. And so I'm, I'm familiar with like, uh, like passing out underwater. The scariest time was, so they do a train up for one man comp where you're in, everybody's, all the students are in the water. They black out your mask. You have to hold your hands up over your, over your head and wait for somebody to come and shark you where they basically take the regulator out of your mouth, tie it up, and then you have to untie it. The scary thing though is, is like you have no awareness. And so you can't see your air, your, your, your mask is blacked out and you're waiting for some dude to just like come up and touch you. And like, you're doing that for 30 minutes in the water. It's not like, you know, you get five minutes to come up, you take a breath, like you're underwater for 30 minutes waiting with a blacked out mask for hopefully somebody to come get you and you don't know if they're looking at your air and you don't know if they're, it, you know what I mean? And so like all the stuff goes on in your head and then finally, and, and there were a couple times where it was like, I don't want to really die right now. <laughs> so, <laughs> so like that was the one time where I was like, holy shit, I'm going to panic. And you just end up breathing yourself down and kind of relaxing. But there are inadvertently every iteration there's somebody that loses their shit and tries and either bolts for the surface or just quits or whatever i think we ended up losing about 60 or 70 percent of our class oh yeah it's usually a pretty high attrition rate what's what's the longest you can hold your breath for uh when i was at dive school it was two and 15 two minutes 15 seconds Jesus. There was a guy that almost got three minutes there, and he ended up actually like no shit passing out underwater. All right. Uh, I'm going to see if I can top that right now. All right. Let's start the thing. (laughs) I'm just joking. I'm just joking. And he's passed out. Oh, God. Oh, man. I I quit smoking many, many years ago, but I started smoking when I was 12 years old. My my lung capacity probably shit. I mean – I so I boxed growing up, okay, and like the the way to beat me was to stretch me beyond two rounds because my lungs would not just gas you out <laughs> exactly. Yep. So like I I'm I'm six foot one, and uh like my my style of fighting is like infighting. So I'm try, I, I'm a tall guy, and that's kind of rare with mm-hmm. a tall guy. Like usually tall guys are like 
keep you at distance and it's the short stocky guys that want to get close well because of my, i knew my lung capacity i was the tall guy trying to get up in your shit trying oh. to get in with you nice. <laughs> so, uh yeah you just had to stretch me out and uh you beat me <laughs> <laughs> they i mean they they you build it at that school but i had i i mean for training like i had a uh, team sergeant that was an used to be an instructor there and so we had like bite valves that you could change the threshold on and he'd make you do wind sprints with these bite valves and it was like breathing through like a some sort of restricted oxygen mask i mean like we got i got punished for probably about four or five weeks before i went and so when i went there it was like oh man this isn't nearly as bad as what this guy had me do this isn't bad at all that's badass, dude. So a good today, time. T- today I learned that combat diving is a little bit more involved than wrestling with dudes <laughs> underwater in right? speedos. It's like still pretty close, though. <laughs> when I heard when I saw the combat diver, I was like, "Oh, that sounds like fun. Maybe I'll sign up." And I was like, "Eh, nah." Eh. <laughs> there is uh, what was it? History Channel did. It's what it used to be called Surviving the Cut. They had a series. They actually had like ranger school and sniper school. They had a dive school too. And a couple of one of my guys on my team was in it. Um, and it's, I mean, it's a pretty good primer if you're if people are interested in like knowing what it's all about. Check out you know Surviving the Cut for sure. Okay, I'm gonna Google that real quick and tee that up for later. <laughs> Surviving the Cut. Yeah, uh, DM me and let me know what you think after you watch it. Yeah, for sure, dude. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 it, it's interesting, like, uh, because like I, I didn't intentionally become friends with a lot of USF guys. We just <laughs> like, happened along. Yeah, like I remember it was I, I grabbed dinner with one of my one of our mutuals uh, down at San Antonio. He was like, "You have no idea who you're interacting with on Twitter." <laughs> he's a like, bunch of he's sociopathic, like, maniacal. <laughs> yeah, and he was like, "It's it's funny as shit because like you're just like shooting the shit with these people who I know and." real life (laughs) (laughs) oh man it it all started i think it all started with my my uh buddy cop relationship with clay like three years ago (laughs) oh man well and what's really funny too is i I followed clay martin for a while and i used to watch his youtubes and i actually have a really good buddy um that i this uh, I used to go shooting with, and he's like, do you know who Clay Martin is? I was like, oh, do I? <laughs> and I was watching a YouTube video of Clay Martin, and uh, one of my fellow Green Berets was like, how do you know Clay Martin? And I was like, you know, I just I follow him off Twitter, and I watch his YouTubes. He's like, I was in third group with Clay, and we used to do all sorts of crimes together. I was like, <laughs> that sounds like Clay Martin. Like, Clay Martin is is like a... He's like a he's like the sleeper underlord of special forces. Like everybody knows him, and if you don't know him, you know somebody that knows Clay Martin. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Love him, dude. Yeah, yeah. I I I didn't even know. Like I, I was just like, oh, he's got a cool picture of him shooting uh shooting a gun off of a rooftop. I I like this guy. And then like through through over the course of the years of me and him talking, like I was like, oh, so this this dude's actually like a big deal. <laughs> oh. Huge deal. And the funny part is, is like, he, you know, obviously he, he, um, he'll tell people, you know, he's, he's got some experience, right? Or it's like, if somebody will talk a little bit of shit, then he's like, Hey man, I've got some experience. Like I know what I'm talking about, but he doesn't really say like what he's done, but Clay Martin's done quite a bit. <laughs> yeah. He's su- super, super humble guy. Yeah. Like, 
Like me and me and him, like we didn't even ever talk about like it wasn't like me like fanboying over like tell tell me stories, Uncle Clay. <laughs> right. it, it was like literally us just like shit posting and making fun of people. Like I I was just like, oh, he's just this dude. He likes guns too. I like him. Right. <laughs> All right, cool, dude. Let's let's go to uh, question two. Our our buddy Huey Lewis uh, wants to know if you could make it so that you would never miss another shot for the rest of your life. But in exchange, you have to trade bodies with Lucas from T-Rex Arms. Would you do it? Uh, if all if all I'm doing, if all I'm doing is trading bodies and I don't have to be Lucas. <laughs> okay. Cause then I'll just I'll 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 eat as much and lift as much as I possibly can. I'll buy I'll buy new pants. I'll 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 do some curls. You know, I I, I yeah, okay, I'm I think I could do that. I think so. It'd be so, hard, though. So, so for those of you who don't know who Lucas is, uh, <laughs> Lucas also came up in the Brink episode. So Lucas is the owner and sole proprietor. I don't know if it's an LLC or whatnot, but uh, he's the owner of T-Rex Arms, a popular YouTube channel where, uh, I mean, he's admittedly a good shooter, like, right? Like, competitively-wise. Yeah, like, I mean, it, in, it, like, you got to give credit where credit's due. He's not a bad shot. Mm-hmm. Um, the his, hate comes from yeah. The, the hate comes from just the application of it, right? Like, I mean, if I had a look, if I threw up a bunch of stuff in my backyard and I rehearsed, you know, nine or ten times, and then filmed me shooting it, it looked pretty good too. Uh, and then, I mean, his practice score stuff isn't too bad either. I mean, I, I like he's he's not bad at Ipsic or whatever he's doing, right? You know, with the uh, with I don't think he's doing three gun anymore, like. Mm-hmm. It seems like he's really good at running on rails, so he can hit, he can engage and shoot targets on rails uh, in kind of like a rehearsed fashion. But I mean, I know he can't carry a two hundred pound dummy, and I his I his I don't want to say tactics because he says he doesn't teach tactics, but then he teaches tactics. His like his mm, like his tactics are awful. But that's that's just an army guy thing, right? So when you see like civilians do the same thing, you know, you get frustrated. But I guess what frustrates me the most with this guy is just how how garbage it is when he's like running in front of doors and completely silhouetting himself, and it's like you know the the it, it, it intimates coolness, which mm-hmm. you know if if for for the untrained eye, it's just so you know it looks cool. And then when you when you sit and analyze like what he's doing, it's like this isn't. This isn't cool at all. <laughs> this is terrible. This boy gonna get himself yeah, shot. This boy gonna get killed in the streets. <laughs> yeah, like I, I, I used to watch his YouTube channel like a couple of years ago. I that that's actually one of the benefits of having stop, uh, started a YouTube channel. I no longer watch gun YouTube channel. Right. <laughs> um and because I'm I'm all about that validation now. Right. <laughs> I'm not trying to validate these other Gotta get mines. Exactly, exactly. And I it's, Oh, go ahead. I, I used I used to watch his shit and like I was just like oh it looks cool but like the the thing that turned me off with him is just kind of like just his attitude really like he's just super super serious all the time and I'm just like man this I just want to have fun dog like <laughs> I just want to go shoot some steel well and I used to watch uh, Grand Thumb too it, it, and actually I watched Grand Thumb in terms of like almost like for reviews so when I was looking at optics I'd kind of watch some of his stuff. But it's 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 all kind of devolved into just like mag dumping yeah. a gun, right? And it's like, I mean, I guess if that's your thing, that's cool. But it's, I mean, like, 
I'm never going to buy a Thompson. So watching some dude mag dump a Thompson is like, I mean, I guess it's cool. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that, that that was cool in 2010. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's. I, I mean, there's there's definitely some good stuff that, that he has. And then, yeah, to your point, like, I guess Botkin's attitude just, I mean, it was the same thing over and over. And then it was like, um, I don't want to say like the know-it-all attitude, but every time you watch a YouTube, it's like it, it just becomes a little bit insufferable after like the first 30 seconds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, <laughs> let's see. All right. So the next question is coming from our friend Midwest Toad. He wants to know what's the best advice slash mantra you've ever been given, and how did it change you? Man, best advice mantra. Um, I'd probably say not related to the military was um. Probably my dad basically just saying it doesn't matter what people wor- worship. It doesn't matter, you know, like um, what orientation you are. Like, just be a good person. Like, just be a, you know, like do the right thing. Do like defend the truth and be a good person. And I think that's kind of stuck with me. Um, for the military, it has been I'll trust you until you fuck me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> dude in the private set i whenever i get interviewed at, uh for in the private sector at other companies and shit like mm-hmm. uh they always ask me like what my management style is and i'm like i trust you to give me a reason not to. yeah yeah <laughs> it, that has that has uh it's worked really well thus far in 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 my in my civilian career for sure yeah that's awesome, dude. And yeah. also, as, as a follow-up question, like, w- what's it like growing up with a dad that's a Green Beret? Uh, it it really wasn't bad at all. I mean, I don't want to even say it was bad. Like, it was it was interesting. So he was um he he was not active for very long when I was in. I want to say he got out of uh like a few years after I was born. Mm-hmm. Um, but like he never he never really talked about it very much. I mean, he like he had just. He f- he got in right at the end of the Vietnam War, and so he didn't really see a lot of combat. But he, um, I think he did a lot of training exchanges, and so he got to kind of do his Green Beret thing. But like, it wasn't it wasn't as probably defining as it is as it is for me. Um, but I mean, he has his beret in his in the bedroom, and he's got some really funny stories about when they kicked uh, Zodiacs out of C one thirties and they burned into the ocean in Hawaii. And I'm, I mean, I met a couple of his friends when I was growing up, but it was, I mean, I don't know. He's like, unlike me, he was a very even handed and like kind of mild mannered guy. And so it was like, it wasn't like living with Superman. It was like living with Clark Kent. Like, oh, that's cool. Yeah. And then later on, the interesting part was like later on down the road, um, when I did ROTC, a couple of the instructors were retired special forces NCOs and they're like, I know your name. I know your dad. I was with your dad on a team. And I was like, what, what? And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go tell, uh, go tell your daddy that Johnny says hi and, and to give you a slap. And so I told my dad and he's like, man, I haven't talked to those guys in 15 years. And so like, you see like the, like the community, you know, the community remembers a lot of its people, even though like they don't, they don't really like parade the community. Like, you know, some guys do like I do, but, um, yeah, is it, I mean, it was like any other middle American family, I guess. Just dad knew how to snap your neck in the middle of the night. <laughs> <laughs> 
he he just didn't flex it on YouTube. Uh, no, he really he really didn't. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that that's really cool, man. Like that that that's a common that's a common observation I've made talking and being friends with a lot of y'all is like y'all just super down to like it's sometimes I wonder like if y'all realize how much like the rest of the public idolizes y'all because y'all are so fucking down to earth. It's Ugh. wild. Now you're going to make my <laughs> ego grow. I would honestly say that the, the, the more humble guys within the community are definitely the NCOs. Cause I think officers kind of have to, we have that ego of where we have to put our, you know, we have to be the face of the team. We got to put ourselves out and the, the best stories, the best, um, experiences that get written about or talked about are definitely on behalf of the NCOs in the community. I mean, it's, I could go on a huge laundry list of like, you know, just the stuff that has happened in the past, you know, two, you know, 20 years and the, the heroism of a lot of the NCOs in the regiment that you never get a chance to hear about. It's pretty impressive. And it's like, you know, you, you, you end up realizing you kind of walk amongst giants in some, some arenas when you go to like a, a group ball or whatever. I mean, there's, there's dudes on Twitter. Um, I won't, I won't throw their name out, but like they served on the same team uh, as a medal of honor winner, like, mm-hmm. and they were in the activity when this individual received the medal of honor. So like, there's a lot of guys on Twitter that have uh, a wealth of experience. And I, I mean, the, the saddest part I think is it's going to get, it's going to get lost kind of like the last, you know, World War One and World War Two generations do as they die off. And I, you know, I would implore any of these guys to write a book <clears throat> and uh, talk about it. If you are listening, you know who you are. <laughs> Pickle? Right. Yeah, Pickle. <laughs> so there I was. <laughs> sipping Dear. on a, sipping on a chorus light <laughs> staring down the horde from my humvee with my mark 19 just still waiting for him <laughs> come come to pickle come, come, come on and get some <laughs> <laughs> i'm dead oh. <laughs> oh, dude I, so have you met Pickle in person? No, I haven't. But I'm. Sh- it, I've. I speak to him, and I can imagine the type of person he is. Yeah. So like, I'm terrified to meet him in person now because I think he's just gonna mollywop me. <laughs> I, I I met him. I met him in person once, and we hung out with Not and uh, I had one of Not's buddies. And yeah, Pickle Pickle is the absolute opposite of what I was expecting. Like because he was telling me, he's like, "Oh yeah, in person, like I'm like really nice. I'm like the friendliest person you'll ever meet." So I was like, "Okay, so he's gonna be the opposite of who he is on Twitter, right?" <laughs> and I meet him like, "Nope, you're nope. pretty much the exact same person." <laughs> you are you? <laughs> <laughs> nah, he he really is a good guy. We we just enjoy giving him shit. And that that motherfucker could take a joke to his credit because this oh. this this lisp joke's been going on for four <laughs> weeks now. <laughs> the first time I saw it, I was absolutely dying. I was like, oh my God, I got to get on this. It was, oh, yeah. And that's the nice part about the military, too, is you can usually make, you usually tear each other apart and nobody takes it personally, which is awesome. (laughs) You can just shit on your friends, I guess. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna take him out, and we're gonna do some long range shooting. Oh, uh, nice. See how he does at 700 yards. Ooh. Yeah. I bet he'd do okay. I think he'd do all right. I got faith in you, Pickle. I believe in him. I believe in him. And <laughs> what, what, while we're actually on the topic of Pickle, he is the subject of question number four. 
our, our, our friend Medic Plastic, who uh, I'm also friends with off of Twitter, he wants to know, how do you, how do you feel about being on my show before Senior Pickle? Well, I mean, it's nice because I get the first word, but then also after that, Pickle can talk as much trash as he wants afterwards. So uh, I, I don't know. I think I'm coming in at a disadvantage, but we'll, we'll see. I think I think Pickle's gonna I think Pickle's gonna start ripping people new booty holes when he gets on. <laughs> he he's in, when I finally bring him on, he's gonna just kick me off the show, and it's just gonna be him ranting for right. three hours. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna tell y'all something. <laughs> y'all have been slandering me for months. <laughs> I've had enough of it. This is this will be over. Yeah, dude. Uh, I, I I'm actually gonna do a pickle episode where it's I'm just gonna like show him logging on, and then I'm gonna cut the episode immediately. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! All right. So question number five. Well, Wahaz guy, I forgive me if I'm mispronouncing that. Uh, he wants to know what your thoughts are on people who purchase tactical gear from oh. Wish.com. Oh, I'm I'm sure this is basically just like a time to start trashing on the pores. <laughs> go for it. Go for it. <laughs> full send. Full send. So so um, man, it, I guess it just begins with like shit in, shit out. So if you, I mean, you can definitely buy some mid tier stuff and put some mid-tier equipment in your rifle if we're just talking like rifle stuff and get a pretty decent 100 meter zero and like maybe shoot out to 200 300 and be okay like if you're just looking at putting you know paper on targets that's probably not a bad idea um you know like demp has a psa and i i do not doubt that uh that dude runs it really well like not not even kidding um but like, don't buy like Spikes Tactical or Anderson or anything like that. That's just like made out of like Chinese pot steel. And if you if if you want to spend money on some things, like don't spend money or don't 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 be cheap on optics and don't be cheap on guts. Like, get a good bolt carrier group, get a good barrel, get decent optics. Because after a while, you're just gonna they're gonna end up falling apart. They're gonna shit the bed. And then you're gonna spend more money on buying the same cheap stuff, and it's just gonna do the same thing over. So like, I don't know, save save your pennies for a little bit and get something that's like you know mid tier or a little bit higher, so you have a quality rifle. And the fun part is like, find some friends uh, within your area and go do a competition. Go do like a run and gun. Go do like a pistol competition. Go do something so you can like see if your rifle works. Like you know it shoots, but go see how you can manipulate it. You know, and or if it's a pistol, go see how you can work your pistol because like it's fun to be able to kind of experiment your for your setup, and it's really fun to see how you can improve engaging targets after like, you know, a three mile run or, or whatever. I mean, so don't buy stuff off wish, especially plates. Dear God. Like I, we I saw that post where some dude was shooting plates that he bought off wish. And then we got into a long argument about like why you should not wear, wear steel plates. And it was just like, Oh my God, this is, we've, we've had two decades of war. We need to like, we need to get away from using steel plates and buying things off wish. To, I mean, like, people the internet is a thing we got to use that i i and i'm over here stroking my heritage rough rider <laughs> say what <laughs> oh god <laughs> uh, red devil i'm gonna need you to turn your yeah, yeah, yeah. on for a second yeah yeah I, i'm almost me, there 
<laughs> Show me what you got. <laughs> oh man, yeah. Uh, what, so, what's the most expensive piece of gear you own? Uh, dual tube nods. I've got that'll do it. Uh, I've got some dual tube nods that uh, a wonderful man who runs um, Weapon Outfitters. Okay. Yeah, so that's who I got it from. And I, I'm not. I'm not plugging anybody. But oh, like, I'm plugging. I'm plugging them. <laughs> I'm not plugging anybody, but I'm plugging somebody. Like, if you have questions, this guy usually knows the answer, and he can he can tell you what you need. Um, in terms of like, if you're building something, I personally I really enjoy builds, so I usually never buy like a full off off the shelf rifle. But I mean, he can tell you, you know, probably what a good idea to build is or what to get. And I mean, he's always selling Hodge stuff, which is usually like the top tier parts and um rifle pieces but yeah he's he's one of the good ones and he um you definitely tell the guys like that take pride in what they do and uh their you know their history running that business is has really built a really good strong following and i i mean he's always got some really good takes too on twitter so i always i appreciate him yeah yeah, Yeah. I've, i've bought i've bought a couple things off him i think i got a bcm uh uh, angled grip from him oh, nice. a few months ago. Yeah, he was he went out of his like I think there was like a manufacturing delay or mm-hmm. vendor delay, and like he went out of his way to look up my order and like email me to let because he knew me from Twitter, and I was like, damn, dog, PSA never done that for me. Oh yeah, he. I mean, I've I've heard a lot of the same stories. I had a buddy that, I mean, basically bought a what is a um a, a, a rifle laser from him. And it was coming late and he was going to do a night shoot and the, the owner of weapons outfitter is like, Hey, I'll mail you my personal laser so you can go to this night shoot. And I think it ended up getting canceled, but like, that's the type of person, you know, that you look for in kind of when you're buying stuff like that, like I'll throw money that, that guy's way any day of the week. No problem. I actually think I just bought a DS 100 surefire cap from him. There you go. Yeah. So Surefire Streamlight, is it worth the diff- price difference? Ooh, you know what? I'm a mod light guy. Okay, yeah, mod light master race, gotcha. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I usually do mod light just because I've had some, I've actually had some issues with Surefire when I ran them uh, on my kit in the army. It, like I had some failure issues and just the, the, uh, the glass would get pitted and corroded from all the, um, all the powder in the blowback from the rifle and i really don't want to spend a whole lot of money on a name because i feel like that's kind of what you're doing with surefire mod light's really nice because you can put an ir head on it you can put a different head and you can kind of change the body uh and so i've just been running those with a d-bow and then a magnifier on my like my kind of night nighttime gun setup so i've got a i've got a i gotta send you a picture i've got a really sexy like I not not an IR like a really sexy like NVG setup gun. Yeah, yeah, dude, S- send, send that it. send that to me and I'll stroke my hair to Drum Rider. Goodness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I've got a, I've got a Mark 18 that I uh, I'm putting or a Mark a civilian Mark 18 that I'm putting a, a mod light on, and then I've got I think I ordered another one to put on um, this new IWI 12 nice. and a half inch that I put it on i see like i like building ars is what got me into ars but like i think over the last three years i was just like i'm not saving any money right <laughs> so I, I just started buying factory and just changing the stuff i care about like bcg's triggers stuff like that mm-hmm. um and now 
now I'm just 3D printing ARs. <laughs> That's awesome. I need to get into that. I really haven't gotten into that enough. Like, uh, I've got family that are really into 3D printing. Obviously not like uh, gun stuff, but I, man, like I like polymer 80 stuff and I'd, I'd, yeah. I, I probably need to. It's just one of those things where like once you're in, <laughs> it's it like consumes you. Dude, it's a wormhole, man. Oh, I can imagine. So, so you've done a P80, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, cool, cool. So I I've done five P80s in the last three three months. Three <laughs> D printing guns. I've done five also. <laughs> okay, man. I need I need to get into that then. I've I basically just been I finished building a the like the Mark Twelve Mod H or whatever, and I got it. Like I'm the type of person that's like now nah, I need to get optics on it. Like I've just got you know so many different pans in the fire it's like i've got it let me finish this mark 12 first and then i'll start printing and then once i start printing i'm like oh fuck i need to do another polymer 80 yeah it happens man you get the bug yeah i I was just this last weekend actually i was speaking at the 3d printed guns and bitcoin conference and we had the first 3d printed gun competition also um i saw a couple videos that's pretty slick yeah, yeah. So I, I, I won second place in the competition and uh, I had two malfunctions uh, on it. I mean, the, the technology, like it's not perfect, but at the same time, it costs like 12 cents right. <laughs> in filament to print your frame. And um, I was use, I was using one of Ivan's guns. Ivan lent me one of his guns and um, to use for the match because I snapped mine in half because of because of some uh, it was all user on my part, like my print settings were off. And that, that was part of what my talk was about. Like this technology, like you're going to see, like I showed a bunch of my failures and I was like, look, this isn't an indictment of the technology. This is, I am the weakest link in the assembly process. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> like it's because of me that this didn't work, not because these guns blow up in your hand. Um, and yeah, it, it, it's fascinating. And like, uh, I know you build guns and stuff too. Like, I feel like, it knowing how your weapon operates down to like the springs helps right. you helps you understand how to clear malfunctions, how to manipulate the weapon. I I don't know how true that is. That's how I feel. Maybe oh, it's, I, it's definitely true. I mean, like because because if you feel like you're you know you're having a failure to feed or you're not or you're having cycling issues, you know, it's like maybe when I was putting that gas block on, I did feel something a little bit funky, right? And so you you know. You know you can troubleshoot it beyond just having to take it to some smith, pay him $70, and he's like, yeah, brother, you just had to put your gas block on a little bit, give it with a wrap of a hammer. You know, like, <laughs> and it's it's good to know, like, because after you build your first one, you're like, uh, you kind of realize, you know, maybe I should have put a faxon barrel on it. And you do a lot of research because after you shoot that gun, you're like, I built this, and this thing was hitting steel at 200. It's like, how? what can I do to push this out, right? Or like, what can I do to make a really cool CQB, you know, pistol AR or whatever? And you end up realizing it's like, I can build these you know, better than what I want to buy. Or, you know, if you just really want to go Gucci, then you just, you know, you you can make it you know, instead of just having to buy it. And then it's, you know, it, it's kind of a piece of you, you know, you own this thing that you made. It's yeah, it's kind of cool. And I think the, you know, to your point with like the 3d printing, you know, like I, Ivan's done an amazing job with like, you know, the, the, the technology. And it's like, I don't think we can ever out legislate this type of innovation, nope. you know, like after a while, it's like, I mean, you either have to have an argument of whether we're like out going to outlaw screws and nuts and bolts, or we're going to have to accept the fact that like, we're never going to be able to legislate innovation because 
let's say polymer 80 goes away. Well, then it's going to be polymer 79 and then it's mm-hmm. going to be polymer 50. And then it's going to be buy a block of aluminum and you have a mini CNC in your home. And after a while, it's like, well, wh- what are we going to end up legislating other than just like people's innovation? And it's not, not going to work. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. It's a, it's, that, that was the other side of the talk. Like why, why I'm not interested in the gun rights debate anymore. And I think like one of the things I said was like second amendments on the ropes right now, because we assumed it was a debate to begin with. Like right. it, it wasn't a debate. Like we brought data to a fist fight and we're, we're seeing the uh, after effects of that. And like, that's why I'm interested now in building systems and building institutions that are parallel to existing ones to make, make legislation irrelevant. Like you can try and do this. Sure. But you're, you're a moron if you think it's going to work. <laughs> well, and it's interesting that this, that some of the States are basically making like gun havens. Exactly. Exactly. And it's like, I mean this, I think the States have, you know, kind of the right idea where it's like, we're not going to, we're not going to enforce this legislation. Just try and stop us. Right. Like, you know, I think it's, and I think the fact that <laughs> there's an exponentially larger amount of firearms owners that have, you know, that, that are, that have come out of the woodwork over the past, you know, two to three years because of COVID also kind of sounds off, you know, how, how hard it would be to legislate it with all, we you know, it's, there's a lot of brand new gun owners that are, you know, that are, that are in the world now. And it's going to be really hard to take people's legally owned property from them just because it's a little bit scary. And and they're just getting their first taste of that black tar heroin now, right? <laughs> just, just you wait, girl. <laughs> oh man! All right, cool. Question number seven is coming from our our lady friend, the Queen Naughty Thoughty, and she wants to know: has has he ever won gay chicken? Well, you don't ever lose gay chicken. Everybody wins <laughs> gay chicken. <laughs> I mean. You you either you either you either give up or you like give up. <laughs> yeah, I win it all the time. That's, a, that's an easy question to answer. Win it all the time. What's 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 the most outrageous thing you've done in gay chicken? Oh boy, I mean, here and narrator, and this is where this is where this match was demonetized, and this is and this is where red hung up. Uh. I think I've, I think I had to, I think I ended up biting like a gummy bear off of a dude's nose. It's pretty, it's pretty like, it's pretty tame. Uh, yeah, I think I ended up biting like a gummy bear off a dude's nose. I, now, I've witnessed some fuckery. Like, I've witnessed some <laughs> terrifying gay chicken. And I think I've managed to avoid a lot of that because that, it would have been awful. I mean, like when you're in... Fort Polk, Louisiana, waiting to go into the box for training. Privates, 18-year-olds in the Army have nothing better to do. And then once a game of gay chicken happens, it's game over. I mean, sometimes you just got to suck a dick to make a point. What? <laughs> for real. <laughs> oh, man. They, they, they don't tell you that in grade school. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. All right, cool. Well, uh, Joe761-92815, that is a terrible handle. Uh, (laughs) He wants to know, what's the best training and tactics course open to civilians? And what are, in your opinion, what are the best shooting drills? Hmm. Best tactics courses. So if you are a civilian, there's a course called Darcy, D-A-R-C, 
um, and it's ran by uh, assaulters from special forces. And I want to say they probably had a few uh, CAG guys at one time or another, maybe. Um, there a lot of businesses that um, sell firearms, like or not firearms, but parts like weapons outfitter goes, and they have. So it's primarily for law enforcement, but they have some civilian classes. And they teach you proper room entry. They teach you some demo stuff. Um, and then they have some like flat range classes as well. If it's if it's something you want to get into in terms of like banging open doors and getting into, you know, kind of simulated firefights, that's probably a really good one. I don't know if this next one exists anymore, but there was one called Guerrilla Tactics. It was owned by Aaron Baruga, who was a first group guy. Um, and he taught a lot of, honestly, he was kind of one of the educators for me when I was looking at it's, it's shooting competitions and tactically shooting and thinking about like tactics from an army level. So he was, he got really into like why you don't stand behind a car and shoot. Cause at the time this was probably five or six years ago, you know, people were using cars as cover and were absolutely getting shredded. And this guy was talking about, you know, you hide behind the pillar, you engage, you know, kind of left and right of the pillar. And uh, it's some of the best courses are on a flat range. And then some of the other best, some of the other really good courses don't really have you shoot a lot, but they teach you to move and they teach you to move with your weapon really well. So guerrilla tactics. um, Let's see who, what else? Uh, Darcy. If you look at like kind of your, you know, it's, it's, it's hard because if, because there's a bunch of different instructors that go from like state to state um, and they'll travel and you can kind of see them on Instagram and kind of judge who they are. But usually there's at least one or two good soft instructors that are in your state. You just kind of have to look at their bona fides and then ask around. So if you're interested in a shooting course, DM me or DM another SF guy or something else. And we can probably point you in the right direction depending on your state. And the best shooting drills are the ones you find online. Like there's one called El Prez, which is a pistol drill. There's um, some really good IPSC, uh, like pistol competition drills that you can do. And uh, all you got to do is just Google it. And you can, I mean, if, if whatever you want to do, if you want to improve draw time, there are pistol drills that improve draw time. If you want to, if you want to improve your, um, you know, the beep to your engagement time with your rifle, they have those drills online. So it's, it's an easy Google. And if, you know, if anybody's got any questions, I'm usually available on Twitter, just DM me and we can, we can talk about what we're trying to, trying to set you up for. I'm def, I, I'll tell you right now, I'm not a, I can shoot a rifle. I can, <laughs> I can kind of shoot a pistol. Um, in my, I mean, I can give you some drills, but I'm, I, there's also some competitive shooters that follow me that can probably give out some really good advice to you on drills. Awesome. Well, yeah. Hope that answers your question. You know? <laughs> Sorry, that was a long diatribe. No, that's awesome, dude. <laughs> um, yeah. What was it? I think, I think my entry point into, so like most people's entry point to like the gun social media world is usually demolition ranch or hickok 45 yep uh for me it was pat mcnamara actually <laughs> oh pat mac yeah yeah blaze ops um so extreme and, it, and one one of <laughs> yeah <laughs> and i mean he, he as i learned more like i was just i kind of felt like i said i kind of stopped watching all gun social media type stuff but um one 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 uh one instructor that he's friends with that i've been that's been on my short list to try and get a class with is uh, i think it's dcm consulting i believe um 
been, I've been trying to uh, catch them when they're in Texas because they're here like maybe once every three months. It's it's interesting. It's kind of like a traveling circus how this circuit works. <laughs> it really is. And man, man, you just jogged my memory. There is a marine that that lives in southern utah like in moab and he's got this really trippy range that butts up against like some plateau mountains i can't remember the name of his business but he does like long to mid shooting and maneuvering uh i can't even remember his name dang it but he's if you can if you can if you can find his name check out his youtube videos he's got some really good stuff and he is an instructor as well um so yeah and it's that it's 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 so it's such a large um market and it's still getting filled with kind of like the right people because originally it used to be just like mall ninjas and theatrics and it wasn't based in like any experience i want to say within maybe the next five years you'll probably see a lot of veterans with this serious amount of experience coming out and kind of like trying their hand at teaching Mm -hmm. and it'll kind of push a lot of the bs to the bottom again so there's no like five five finger death punch of the shooting world. No, I mean I'm sure I uh, I mean I can name some instructors that are very much like that, but I don't want to give I don't want to <laughs> I want to give them any more airtime. Oh man, well, Lucas jumps in and crashes my podcast. I want all the smoke. <laughs> <laughs> all right, second to the last question. What's what's your favorite war story? Gosh, uh, man. Per- personal or anyone else's? Personal war story. Personal war story. Uh, all right. So I was in the 101st in Iraq, and we used to love doing uh, helicopter assaults everywhere we went. And so, like, you get on a helicopter at night, you'd go hit a house, you'd bag the dude up. And then you drop them off at the bigger base and then you'd fly back home and you go to sleep. You kind of, we did this for, man, we did it for a week and we would do it every month. So for one week you'd get these birds, you'd go do your thing. And then you would, you would, um, you kind of go on ground patrol or whatever for the other three weeks. So there's one time when we're in a Chinook and like a CH 47 and, uh, everybody's got like the guy, the guys with the machine guns are going to be the first ones out because we didn't know what type of an area we were getting into. So like we push those guys out, they lay down, they kind of like secure the area. So the, everybody else in the helicopter could get out and do their thing. Well, the air crew told us that we were, that they couldn't land because we were kind of in like this weird little field. And so they're like, ah, hey, it's going to be, it's one or two feet. So just go ahead and jump out. Well, it was actually like closer to 10 and the machine, the first machine gunner falls out and jams his machine gun almost to the feed tray in this like mud pit. Oh, fuck. as that happens, everybody else is falling out. So it's like this helicopter is just shitting soldiers out. And like we we realize that like it's not just a field; it's a it's a field that's been irrigated, and so it's got like poop water everywhere. Like dudes are just absolutely covered in it. And guys are like, you can just hear the sucking noises of them pulling the machine guns out. And so we we get all organized. It takes like 20 minutes. It's super loud. Like we've, we've completely blown like 
any security and and like surprise that we have we get up to the house and we bag the guy and the dude is literally just like laughing at us because the entire time he was watching the guy that we were actually looking for wasn't even there that night and so we end up just getting his dad and he like (laughs) he was just watching these dumbass soldiers fall out so we took him and asked him some questions found out what had happened and like we had to get back on this helicopter so we had to trudge back through this shitty water get back on this helicopter and fly back and it was like you know the the, the next two weeks we ended up having to clean weapons i ended up burning um ended up burning my my uniform because it was just so disgusting i mean it was it was bad so oh god <laughs> oh dude so how deep how deep was it when y'all jumped in i mean so was i was too yeah it was a 10 foot drop i was to my knees i mean like and i'm 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 about i'm about six feet tall and it was to my knees and like the mach- the first machine gunner like he i thought he had lost his machine gun because it was so deep into this muck it was disgusting yeah so it was that's like one of those anytime i feel like i've got it bad i just think about like <laughs> when i when i was in that shit water the funny part too is we end up going. So we used to go to this village like every week or every other week and talk to people. Uh, we talked to the mayor. Like we had a Iraq was interesting because we actually had a really good relationship with a lot of the people that weren't terrorists there, mm-hmm. at least in the area that we were in. And we would go to like a grape field that the mayor owned, and we just chill out in this grape field uh, and like you know dudes dudes just kind of relax and drink water or whatever. And we never ate the grapes until one day, like a handful of my soldiers were like, hey, these grapes look pretty ripe. Like these are good. And not realizing that it was irrigated with this like shit water. So they eat it. We get back on, we get back in the, in the Humvee. And like, it's a probably about a 30 or 40 minute drive back to where our base was. And I don't like stop. I didn't like stopping on the side of the road. Cause I'd seen too many, like the YouTube videos of dudes getting out and just getting nuked after they pee is like, ah, I'm paranoid about that. So my gunner is like, Hey, sir, I really got to go. I was like, Hey bro, just pee in the Skaterade bottle. He's like, I don't have to pee. And he's like, it's not like, it's not going to come out good. And I was like, uh, all right, hold on one second. So I like stop in the road and I call my sergeant and I'm like, Hey man, what am I supposed to do? Like, I don't want, I don't want to get off on the road. Like I want to keep going. He's like, just have him shit in an MRE bag. So like, I've got this guy moving his bowel, (laughs) like right by my head in an MRE bag because of these grapes. And after that, it was just like, all right, I, you, you get indoctrinated in the military after you see, you know, so many bowels being moved in front of your face and then having to deal with shit water and everything else. It's, it takes a lot of the sexiness out of, out of, out of being a com, a combat arms guy, but it also makes for really good and interesting, funny stories and kind of builds that, you know, that perspective in your life. That's uh, that's fucking wild. <laughs> oh man, the, the closest thing I have to that is in third grade. I had to have the uh, school bus stop so that I could uh, use someone's house bathroom. <laughs> but I, I, I had the luxury of going inside of a house, right? <laughs> oh man, yeah. You, you know, when you gotta go, you gotta go, right? And sometimes <laughs> you don't have a choice, and it's just you're just. Yeah, blowing your back out right next to someone's face. <laughs> <laughs> that that that's like the perfect time to start a game of gay chicken. Oh right. <laughs> Hold on, let me help you out, bro. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it, it only hurt for the first centimeter. 
right. What last question, and we're going back to the pickle. He wants. Uh, I forget who. Oh, damn! I didn't write down the person who asked this. But anyway, so someone wants to know if you and Pickle were to meet in the octagon, who would walk out? I mean, I'm just gonna say Pickle, like only because Pickle's an NCO, and I know Pickle. I know NCOs will usually put in more work and will be damned if they're going to let an officer like beat that ass. So I would probably say pickle would stomp me. And I also just don't want pickle to stomp me. So like, I'm just throwing the, you know, the, <laughs> the olive trees like, no, sir, I'm going to whip that ass in that <laughs> octagon. You're going to get all eight sides and you're going to get two more just for that. <laughs> oh God. He's like, you, you, you better pray you get round a roozy. There ain't gonna be no jujitsu. I'm gonna be biting and punching. <laughs> Imagine Pickles saying jujitsu, jujitsu, <laughs> jujitsu. Mm-hmm. Put you in one of them triangle chokes. <laughs> and, and, and the funny thing is, is this this man is built like a Walmart battle orc. Oh, I can. <laughs> 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 oh god it, it was nice knowing you i'm dead right man. Pickles be like, i'm gonna find you and then it's over <laughs> oh man R- ra- raised on um raised on corn and great value right, right, right. <laughs> pickles pickles literally been bailing hay his whole life he's got lunch boxes for hands he's gonna snap my <laughs> fragile bones <laughs> this man nah Oh man! At some point, this inside joke needs to end, and I need to actually have Pickle come on this show. Somebody's gonna end up dying. I think is that when Pickle's gonna end up killing somebody. It's like, all right, that I think that's enough. I think that's enough. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I cocked it. He's he's gone a month without getting kicked off Twitter. Really? I think that might be a a, a record. I think it is, man. I I do too. It's. Uh... God, he's, he's he's going strong now, and, he, and he's building all this clout. Next thing you know, he's going to have sponsorships with FitBunnyT and AdamandEve.com. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, dude. <laughs> all right, bro. Well, that, that that's a wrap. Is there anything, anything you want to touch on or anything like that before we Man, I, I can't. Up? I can't really think of anything. Just don't – just stop posting poor rifles in my feed. <laughs> And just stop being poor. <laughs> stop being poor, people. <laughs> There's this one dude who's always tagging me and shit he buys, and like he's like, "Who's Gucci now? Who's Gucci now?" And like, I just, I'm just like, still not a thermal dog. <laughs> nope. Oh man. Well, where, where uh, so fo- folks on YouTube are kind of discreet from the folks on Twitter. So where where, where can the folks on YouTube find you? Uh. I'm not on YouTube, but I'm on Twitter, and you yeah, can find me at Snake Eater three six. And what what is what, what is a snake eater? Uh, so a snake eater is like an old Vietnam reference to uh, Green Beret. So like back when these dudes were in the bush for extended periods of time, like the reference was that they would eat snakes or whatever they could find. Um, and so it's just something that I you know picked up going through the Q course and being in the jungle and being in seventh group, and so just kind of kept that kept that call sign that's awesome dude yeah that's awesome well it was great having you man thanks so much for your time 
Yeah, brother. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. All right. See ya.